Well, good morning. Good morning. You can do better than that. I mean, after that, the worship, that was awesome this morning. Thanks so much for that. I can tell you, having traveled and speak for, well, for many years across Canada and parts of the world, I honestly have really been blessed by the warmth and fellowship and the receptivity and the engagement of your people and in your leadership too, just a heart for God and his word and for missions. So I've actually been looking forward to coming here uh, for that very reason. So thank you. I do have the privilege of sharing on behalf of Ethans this morning. And what I want to do is I want to share my story and through my story to help you appreciate what God is doing in people group after people group and how you and a church can be a part of it. I shared last night a statement that's become a favorite for me. The spirit of Christ is the spirit of missions. The closer you get to him, the more intensely missionary you must become. You see, it's his heart and the closer we get to him, it must become our heart. And so I pray as I share this morning, and we're going to begin with the reading of God's word in a minute here. But as I share, I pray that we'll be in, not just informed. It's easy to have information and think that we, because we know it, oh yeah, I know about that. Oh yeah, I heard about that. As if we're doing something about it. Ever informed, but seldom transformed. And we're in danger of that here in the West because we have so much information. But what are we doing with it? We've been trusted with so much. We've been trusted to be Christ's ambassadors, to, to reconcile the world as if God were appealing through us. And so that's my heart this morning, to challenge you, to share with you, and to encourage you. So let's begin in the reading of God's Word. If you want to stand with me, we'll be reading from John chapter 10. John chapter 10, verses 14 to 18. John 10, verses 14 to 18. I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep. And I am known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring. And they will hear my voice. And there will be one flock and one shepherd. Therefore my Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have the power to lay it down, and I have the power to take it again. This command I have received from my Father. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Loving Father, what a joy to have your word. As I shared last night and this morning, while some 7,000 people groups on planet Earth are still waiting, 2,000 languages still waiting for even one word of your truth. And yet we have it so freely, and we thank you for it. It hasn't come without a cost. And Lord, we know too that it won't go to the rest of the nations. It won't go to the rest of the ethnos also without a cost. Lord, may we be your people as we sung this morning to be willing to pay the price, to follow in your footsteps. Lord Jesus, we love the fact that you were bruised for our transgressions. We love that you were slain for our iniquities. But Lord, as your redemptive agents, it's going to be no different for us. Call to fall in your footsteps. May we be willing to pay that redemptive price for those here in Toronto and around the world who are still waiting for your name. Speak to our hearts this morning by your spirit, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Please have a seat. You can put the uh, PowerPoint up there if you would, and we're going to trust that this clicker wants to work this morning, otherwise you guys can forward from me in the back. 
But I'm here to share on behalf of Ethnos. And what I love about Ethnos, and many of you know that we used to be known as New Tribes Mission, but the new wasn't working anymore. The tribes aren't new. In fact, tribes is a derogatory term. We're now working with the First Nations. I'll share that a bit more in a few minutes. And also, we just sent our very first team to the Inuit. But tribes is a derogatory term. And, and missions is a red flag in many of the countries we're going to. So our very name wasn't conducive to the people we were reaching. And so some seven years ago, we became known as Ethnos. And I love the word Ethnos. It's where we get ethnicity or ethnic from. It means nations. In fact, every time you pick up the word of God, the majority of time you read the word nations in scripture, it's ethne or ethnos. And so God's heartbeat for the nations leaps off the page of scripture. And I'm looking forward to sharing that some with you this morning. This is my family. We live in Hamilton, Ontario, Stony Creek, not too far away. I have a wonderful wife, Tammy, as was already shared, and three kids, Cassandra, Cody, and Carly. Uh, this is a few years back, but it's the best picture I have. I love this picture of my daughter's wedding. And by God's grace, um, they have now given us this beautiful granddaughter. And, uh, you know, truly being a grandparent is the reward for having kids. And you, who, you all who are grandparents know that. I am mixed up. I'm, I came from all across the world to have this grandbaby, literally. I'm from England. My family's British. I was born in Australia. I grew up in Papua New Guinea till I was 18 years old. Uh, and then I went to Bible school in the States. My education's American. Uh, but then I finished while I married a Canadian. And I love saying, I love saying that. <laughs> It doesn't always work, though. I was going to chuckle here, but I was down in Colorado just a month ago, and I was speaking at, of course, a U.S. church there, and I just finished off naturally saying, and I finished well. I married a Canadian, and it was silence, and it was like, oh, my goodness. Said, that always works well in Canada, and uh, I, I told him, I said, I want you to know that I tried, first of all, to get an American girl. She didn't want me, so anyway, that, that, re that redeemed me, but uh, anyway, I'm so thankful for my family, my granddaughter, and together we get to be a part of what God is doing. It truly is my privilege. Apart from the call of God on my life, I would never get to meet any of you, and so I'm so thankful for that. You know, the, the safest place to be is just to be obedient. I shared last night how if I could sum up the Christian life with one word, I would sum it up with the word receive. Corinthians says, what do you have you did not receive? So why do you boast of yourself you received it? You think about that, your talents, your gifts, your birthplace, who you are, all that you have, much of it's been received from God. It's the same thing with the Christian life. God has prepared in advance a good work for every one of us to do, right? Amen? Ephesians says that. So it's for us to receive that from him. That understanding has delivered me from being a stressed out achiever to simply being a grateful receiver. Saying, God, I want your plan for my life, not my own. And I challenge you with that. By the way, that was extra. I wasn't planning on saying that. What I want to do here is introduce Ethnos because there's a great heritage here. And New Tribes Mission was uh, founded in 1942 by Paul Fleming. You saw his voice in that video. You heard his voice in that video. With a passion to reach the unreached, he'd gone to Malaysia, but he became racked with malaria. And he came back to the U.S. in 1942. And the doctor says, you cannot go back. You're going to die. But he'd been awakened to the reality of unreached remote people groups. How are we going to reach them? And God used Paul Fleming to raise up a next generation of missionaries. His model was God plus nothing. As he says here, our work is to fill in the gaps where the gospel has not yet gone. And that was his heart. And that hasn't changed for us over these some 80 years now. We sent out our first 10 missionaries. And then now, we have, by God's grace, we now have about 3,000 and growing as we add national missionaries alongside that. God has done an amazing thing. By God's grace, about every 45 days or so, we're seeing a people group reach with the gospel who'd never heard the gospel before or a, or a Bible translation coming to completion. And you as a church, the body of Christ in Canada is a part of that. We cannot do it without you. And so, as I shared, I, I love the fact that 
God's heartbeat leads off the pages of Scripture. And I want to just show you that really quickly. Because you see, when God created Adam and Eve, he told Adam and Eve, his very first command to Adam and Eve, he says, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. God wanted to fill the earth with people. Then, of course, sin came along, the fall and all that, and God began again with Noah. But God's heart hadn't changed. When Noah comes off the ark, the exact same command to Noah. Noah, be fruitful, multiply, subdue the earth, have dominion over it. God's command to Adam and Eve was the same to Noah. And so the earth began to be full of people. And then God called Abraham. Whenever God wants to do something, he chooses a man or a woman to do it through. No different than calling each of us. And he called Abraham. And he said, Abraham, through your seed, singular, meaning Jesus, all the nations, all the families of the earth are going to be blessed. That was, of course, a Hebrew word, but it's equivalent to the Greek word ethnos. All the families of the earth are going to be blessed through you, Abraham. Then you fast forward to Jesus. It's almost Christmas time. We love how the angel came to the shepherds and said, Behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be for all people. It's all the ethnos. And then you fast forward to Jesus. He calls his disciples to himself. And he says, All authority has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, all ethnos, all people groups. And then you have that beautiful scene in heaven. Revelations 5, 7, and 7, 9, John writes, I looked and I saw some from every tongue and every tribe and every nation, every ethnos, every people group. That's why I love the name of our organization now because it leaps off the pages of Scripture. That is God's heart, and you and I get to choose, and I'll share more at the end as we look at God's Word. You and I get to choose how much we want and how much we get to be a part of it or how much we're going to miss out because we live for other things. It's going to be our choice. I love this scripture. It's become almost a life verse for you. Matthew 24, 14. This gospel of the kingdom, this gospel, there's no other gospel. There's no other name under heaven given to men by which we might be saved. Acts 4, 12 says that. This gospel of the kingdom, it will be preached. Not it might be preached. It will be preached in all the world. Romans 10. How can they hear unless somebody preach? How can they preach unless they be sent? So, Jesus says, this gospel of the kingdom, it will be preached in all the world as a witness to some of the nations. Is that what it says? No, thank God it doesn't say that. As a witness to all the nations, all the ethnos, and then the end will come. And you and I can stake our life on that. I love what John Stott says. His authority on earth allows us to dare to go to the nations. His authority in heaven guarantees our hope of success. Isn't that awesome? But as you look at the world today, and I shared more statistics last night, just looking at the languages, some 7,388 languages on planet Earth, 2,000 of them, approximately 2,000, are still waiting for even one word of God in their language. How can that be? While we look forward to the second coming, many have never even heard of the first. So what I want to do this morning is to share a bit of my story. And through my story, growing up in New Guinea amongst this people group, to help you appreciate what God is doing even now amongst more people groups and to invite you to be a part of that. This is my, I was just in the UK just three days ago, still getting over jet lag, um, visiting my family. This is my mother there. My grandmother, Dora, in the UK, she died at 99. She's an amazing prayer warrior, but you see, back in before World War II, she wanted to go as a single lady, as a missionary to Sudan. And yet, the war broke out, and of course, she was single. It didn't happen. She married my grandfather. I mean, amazing woman. She was pen pals with Gladys Aylward, anybody who knows that missionary story. My grandmother was pen pals with her. 
I never knew that until we're going through her letters at like 97 years of age. I was visiting her, and there's a letter from Gladys Aylward. Amazing woman. But God used her to pray for one of her three daughters. Lord, if I can't go, would you take one of my daughters? What a prayer. In a day and age when many parents are holding their kids back, would you take one of my daughters? My mother was the middle child and the most rebellious, but God picked her. And she met my father, and together they heard the call of God. In fact, my mother was challenged by a very simple statement. The only ability God requires is availability. Isn't that awesome? Lord, I haven't got a whole lot to offer. She'll tell you she's pretty simple, but God used her, you'll see that, to reach a tribal people because she gave her life to the God who would equip her for it. They went to Papua New Guinea, which is a very unique land, over 800 distinct languages just in this country of Papua New Guinea alone, above Australia and below Indonesia. My parents moved into this tribal work. It had just begun, and it was called the Dome People, D-O-M, one of many different people groups. Uh, in 1974, you can see our homes there, just simple plywood walls, copper roof, an outhouse. We had, I think, solar panels came in when I was 10 years old, so we finally had hot water inside our house at 10 years of age. You can see through the, the trees there, you can see a, a tribal village in the background, uh, the grass huts. And that's where they began to work. This is what the landscape looked like. It's not easy to get there. This is actually the Highway 401 right there. I mean, that was it. And many times we're actually walking behind the vehicle because the tires would hug over the edge and so, and the steep cliff drop off. And so my father would say, get out. And he's maneuvering along in order to get into these, into these remote areas. What you have is you have the dome people on the right side of the, this is called the, the Wagi River. And on the right side, you have the dome people living in hamlets across the mountainside. On the left side, you have a totally, another language group called the Sina Sina people. And then you have the Yagaria and the Benabena and the Kuman and the Powaya and on down to the lowlands, the Basorio and, the, and then to the islands, the Mok. All people groups, all the ethnos for whom Christ died, all still waiting for God's word. Here you can see how they live there in these hamlets dying the mountainside. Here are pictures just to help you appreciate every language group, every tribe had a distinct language, but also culture and also dress. You have the, the, from the top pictures there, the long tail feathers of the bird of paradise. Those were our people. And as you get towards the middle there, you see the Huli Wigmen, known for their big wigs. And then you have the Asaro Mudmen to the middle right there, known for their fierce mud mass. Again, all different reasons why they wear these things, but they're animistic. They worship the spirits. They live in fear of their ancestors. They manipulate the spirits by sacrifices and all kinds of things, hoping their gardens will grow, hoping their children will be healthy, living in fear every day of their lives with no hope without Christ. Here you can see my twin brother and I. You'll see my twin brother here and again in a couple minutes. But this is our two boys. Any guesses which one's me? It's not the guys in the middle, by the way. It's the ones on the outside. <laughs> um, so I'm on the right there, and that's my twin brother, Gary. Like I said, you'll see him in a couple minutes. But growing up with our people there from the time we were young, my father began to learn the culture and the language, the worldview. How do these people think? You can't just march in and say, John 3.16, for God so loved the world. They have no understanding of who God is. You've got to go back to the beginning. They lay the foundations from creation to Christ of who this God is, holiness, the sin, fall, the need for a blood sacrifice. But if John 3.16, for God so loved the world, he gave his only son. I mean, you just add confusion. Was God married? He must be. He has a son. Right? So you got to go to the beginning. you got to understand how they think and their worldview. My mother began to also learn the language so that one day she could teach literacy so that they could actually read the Word of God for themselves. My parents had to create an alphabet for the people so they could read and write as they're being taught from the Scriptures and read God's Word for themselves. 
This is my father's translation helper, Kabia. You'll see him again in a couple minutes as well. He was 16 years old. Remember this. He was 16 years old when he began helping my father learn the language and write down the very first words of scripture in the Dome language. My mother began to teach literacy because we want them to read and write as we're teaching. We want them to go back to God's word to know it's not just the white man saying it, but they can read God's word for themselves as they're walking from creation to Christ. My father taught all the key redemptive stories. Noah's Ark, there's only one way to be saved. There's only one door that'll come up later again when they hear about Jesus for the first time. And he's the way, the truth, and the life. There's only one door to salvation. The people are following along. They see the sacrifice of Abel and Cain, how Cain's sacrifice was rejected. He'd offered vegetables. He went a different way than God's way. But Abel obeyed God. He had faith in God. He'd offered a lamb. And again, that'll come up again later on when they hear about the lamb who takes away the sins of the world. It's actually interesting. I know a people group on the other side of the border who, as the missionaries got to this place, they're like, well, we don't have any lambs in our country. How do we get these lambs? We, we got to pay for our sins. We needed a lamb. And the, mission, the, the tribal people were begging for lambs to be flown in to sacrifice them. And the missionaries had to say, just hold on, we'll get to the rest of the story. But that's what you want. You want them to be tracking to appreciate the need for their own substitute lamb. And then, of course, the day the church is born. What a joy after some 10, 15 years of learning the language and the culture and translating to now see a church born and to see it begin to grow and thrive on its own. My twin brother and I were baptized in a mountain stream at 16 years of age amongst our people. That was the last time I would see many of them. Now, fast forward. It's 2015. My parents had moved back to the UK. We're teaching and training over there in our European training center. Our coworkers had come from California when I was 10. They, they continued on the work, and they, they were now back in the States, and the Bible was now finished. And they said, Martin, do you want to take the New Testament back? We're going to be stuck here in the States for a while. What a privilege. Some 40 years later, I'm being given the privilege now to take the very first Bibles. My daughter, Cassandra, she was about to go to college, to Redeemer Bible College. And so I said, Cass, now's your chance. Do you want to come with me? The dedication is not until next year, but we can take the very first scriptures. And this is where God is showing off. I love how he does it sometime. You see, my twin brother, from the time we were little boys, flying over the mountains to our boarding school, all he ever wanted to be was a pilot. Fast forward, he's now flying for the Emirates out of Dubai. Not just any plane. My brother's flying the Airbus 380. Largest passenger plane, double-decker, monster plane. Guess who was flying the plane from Toronto to Dubai? Only God can do this. These two twin boys who grew up amongst the dome, we got, both got to have a part in seeing the scriptures taken back to our people. Only God can do that. We had this picture taken in business class just for the fun of it because we actually sat back in camel class. It was too... <laughs> but anyway, um, we got the picture. So here I am now meeting these believers. I haven't seen them in years. The last time I was 16 and now I'm bringing the scriptures and to embracing them again for the first time. It was such a joy Remember Kabia, 16 years of age, 15, 16, he's helping my father. He's now 60 years of age. His eyes are starting to grow dim. We're staying in his tribal hut. He's one of the elders in the church with tears streaming down his face. He says, now God speaks my language. I have all the New Testament. You think that made it worth it? All those years of trial and struggle? Amen, absolutely. And then a year later, my father came from the U.K., 
I brought the rest of my kids and my wife. Three generations of the Lamb family were here to see the dedication. And it was a thousand people from the Dome, but also across the Wagi River, from the Sina Sina. Some, like I said, from the Bene Bene and the Yagaria, they came as well. Other tribal groups where the church has been born to celebrate the scriptures. You can see the young people now going to school, parading the Bibles in. Uh, leaders in the church also holding them. The clash with the modern and the primitive there with the headdress. Like I said, three generations of the Lamb family. What a privilege to be a part of seeing God's word come to that people group. I share this with you because what my parents did is happening again and again across South America, Africa, South Pacific, Southeast Asia, with 3,000 other missionaries doing the exact same thing, learning the language, learning the culture, translating the scriptures, finally teaching from creation to Christ. It's a long process. What I've done is I've just taken a handful of what I call our celebration slides. Let's celebrate together. You're not going to hear these people groups on CNN or CTV or Fox News. But these are the ethnos for whom Christ died. And I'm just taking some from the last couple years to show you those who have just now, a church has been born as a result of the work like my parents have done. The Pei people in Papua New Guinea, the church was born in June 2020 for the very first time. The Amdu people in Papua New Guinea, again, a different language group. The gospel was presented and a church was born in 2020 of August. The Watakia, Jeremy Hambrice, was a professional baseball player for the Mets. He gave that up after being challenged in a conference like this. And the message was, what is God's will for your life and how do you fit into it? And he gave up playing for the Mets and he moved to reach the Wantakia people. Isn't that absolutely amazing? And uh, still, still there working with the team. Um, the Gadang people in the Philippines. Church was born in September 2020. The Dem people, this is an amazing story. 500 gathering every single day as the missionaries taught uh, methodically from creation to Christ, and then finally they get to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and they begin, be, they begin to proclaim, he's my savior, he's carried my sin debt, and the church was born amongst the dem. The Konyagi people in West Africa, Canadian missionaries there, uh, the gospel was presented in 2021. The Malayali, just last Christmas, celebrated Christmas for the very first time in the history of the world amongst the Malayali. Again, an amazing story. Can you imagine someone begging for you to share the gospel with them? In our area, the people have been begging for missionaries for years, and now their plea is finally being answered. This is not uncommon in Papua New Guinea, and this is the story of the Kuyu people. The missionaries just moved in a year ago to work amongst the Kuyu who have been begging for many years. In fact, I just got a note from one of my colleagues. Even while they've barely been there for a year, the Maya people are sending delegations over the mountains saying, well, where's our missionaries? No one's come to the Maya yet. Maybe that'll be one of you, because that's the reality. Still more people groups waiting. New Testament's completed. The pride people in Thailand now have the New Testament, March 2020. Guahibo people, Colombia, in October 2021. You think of the work that it takes to get that translation, like I shared, and for them now to have it. The North Wagi, 2021 of November. Tukatul, Asia Pacific, they now have the New Testament. The P people, I love this story. Our missionary, Tim, from Canada, 
went in the 80s, a long, hard work, kicked out of this country because it's a very hard country, and had to work from Mexico to translate the scriptures for this country. Meanwhile, the church is growing. They estimate now 100,000 believers. They had dedication a year or so ago, 20,000 New Testaments, 3,000 people gathered. They were all smuggled in, and those 3,000 took them back into the jungle. There's now a radio broadcast from Galcom airing over the border so they can be discipled, even though we can't be there on the ground. Amazing what God has done. Take out people in Papua New Guinea, New Testament dedicated July 2022. The Kumon, that's next door to where I grew up, they now have the New Testament. The Moy Church, totally undiscovered people group, probably one of the last ones in Asia Pacific. In, Ju- in June 2020, sorry, in June 2001, Tim Watley, our director, Tyler, some of you guys know him because Tyler and Michaela came here, right? Uh, to share with you guys, his father Tim jumped out of a helicopter amongst a totally undiscovered people group. Amazing story. And now they're getting the New Testament in those 20 years. And I love this. This is my sister Carol and her husband Paul. They've been laboring for 25 years, 15 years alone, and they just finished off the New Testament for the Sodomy people. And I hope you're back in New Guinea in the summer of next year to dedicate the Sodomy New Testament. Praise God. We get to be a part of this. Isn't it awesome? I share that with you because that's just one part of what we're doing because now in the same way, we're now working amongst the First Nations in Canada. We receive invitations from them. Can we be taught foundationally from creation to Christ? We're working now on a number of teams and a number of reserves and not a whole lot of time to share about that. What we do have is a small booklet called Who is God that we've developed for them with all the pictures from creation to Christ. It's out there on the table. It's now being used by prison ministry as well. It's great for evangelism or discipleship. So grab one, fill out the coupon, and, and pray with us. It's on the table when you leave today. But God's now moving amongst the First Nations as we're discipling them. And what thrills my heart is that we just sent our very first team to Akaluit to serve amongst the Inuit people. This is not going to be an easy task. There's our two, uh, one American couple and two Canadians went through our training center here in Canada and just moved in May up there to the far north. You can see some of the communities, all flying communities amongst the uh, Inuit. So we'll be praying as we determine where God would have them to begin as far as one of those communities. Don't let these, go- these crosses fool you. They put a cross on there because they're very syncretistic, because they've been taught to put a cross on the grave, but they have no understanding of what Jesus has really done for them. Ten times the national average of suicide. Nine times the national average of a, for a domestic abuse. It's so dark there in many different ways, physically and spiritually. Pray for that team. We're looking to add more to them. This is a letter from Papua New Guinea. I shared about the invitations. This is from a number of years ago. This man writes, I am Eric Kasoa. I'm speaking for my people again. I'm writing for the seventh time to ask if you will come to my village or not. If you're willing to come, then please, in the name of Jesus, we want someone to really come and learn our language. We're continuing to demand this. The people are saying you must come. I'm saying this again. I think you all didn't get my first six letters. If not, all right, now is my seventh letter. I'm writing it again. It really must bear fruit. The people are truly crying for a missionary and for God's talk. Plenty of my letters asking for missionaries have been wasted. How tragic is that? And it's not uncommon. We have drawers full of invitations like this. And again, my heart this morning is that maybe God will call some of you and say, can I be the one to reach that next people group? I read this passage this morning, and I want to look at that, take some time with you to look at the heart of Jesus. 
If there's one thing that we should be after, it's getting to know the heart of our Lord. In John 10, 14 to 18, if you have your Bibles, please turn here again or you can read it on the screen. You see, brothers and sisters, Romans 8, 29 says, We are predestined to be conformed to the image of his dear son. We're predestined to be conformed to his image. How much does that occupy your mind and thoughts that I want to become more like Christ every single day? Because that's God's desire for you. It's why he redeemed you. In 1 John 4, 17, it says, In this world, we are like him. You can't get any more clear than that. Again, in 1 John, it says, If we say we abide in him, we ought also to walk just as he walked. 1 Peter says, To this we were called, since Christ suffered for us, leaving us an example we should follow in his steps. Jesus said to the disciples, As the Father has sent me, so send I you. You see, brothers and sisters, we are to be his hands and his feet and his eyes and his tears, his very life to this lost and dying world, because if we're not, nobody is. The incarnation that God began in Jesus, he now wants to continue through you and through me. Isn't that awesome? I love the word incarnation. Have, any of you, have you guys ever had chili con carne? That's chili with meat. The incarnation is literally God with meat on. That's incredible. That's why Muslims are the face of a hard time believing it. How would God want to occupy human flesh? But we believe in the incarnation that our God came with meat on, God in human flesh. But he didn't stay here. Jesus said to the disciples, I'm going to be leaving. And of course, they're like, well, you can't leave. He says, if I don't leave, you won't be able to receive the other comforter. But as he said, if I leave, another one will come. And he sent his spirit, his very life, to live inside you and me. You and I, the incarnation of Jesus that began in him, now continues through you and through me. That's why I don't believe we really get the taste of God's heart in the incarnation until we're willing to if God would call us to go to a foreign space, to a foreign culture, to follow in his image, and in his footsteps, to be incarnated, to take the message of the gospel to that people group. What a privilege we have. The incarnation that God began in Jesus, he now wants to continue through you and through me. That's why we're called the body of Christ. And in John 10, 14 to 18, I love this passage because you see the heart of Jesus he says this, verse 14, I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and I am known by my own. As the father knows me, even so I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. And then he says this, listen, other sheep I have which are not yet of this fold, them also I must bring and they will hear my voice and there will be one flock and there will be one shepherd. Hear how emphatic he is. Do you know who he's talking about? He's talking about you and me. Here he is 2,000 years ago talking to his disciples, and then I could see him looking down through the pages of history, and he says, other sheep I have, which are not yet of my fold. Them also I must bring. And they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock, and there will be one shepherd. And he was talking about you and me. He was talking about Maple Avenue Baptist. I know them. I died for them too. One day they will come. He was talking about the dome in Papua New Guinea. He was talking about all these people groups for whom he died. All the ethnos, other sheep I have, which are not yet of my fold. Them also I will bring. And this is where the rubber meets the road because he says in verse 17, Therefore my father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. 
Now listen to this. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have the power to lay it down, and I have the power to take it up again. This command I have received from my Father. What Jesus was in fact saying was, no one takes my life from me. I choose to lay it down. You see, even as the God-man, he had a choice. He had a will, and it was free. And when he prayed in the garden, not my will, but yours be done, he surrendered his life to the Father, and the battle was won. The rest was history. And he set his face like flint towards the cross. He too had a will. And if he hadn't chosen to lay his down, down his life, there would have been no salvation for mankind. He got to choose. And he said, no one takes my life from me. I choose to lay it down. In fact, that word authority there actually has the idea of freedom and privilege. I have the freedom. I have the privilege. I get to choose. And here is where my challenge is to you, brothers and sisters. It's no different for you and for me. We get to choose. Saved by his grace, redeemed by his blood, chosen to be his bride and his body. But even as we live this life, we get to choose how much of what we're living for now really is an account for eternity and how much is going to be wasted on a life of ease and comfort. We get to choose. I remember reading, reading the, hearing this song from Keith Green. I mean, you know his artist like in the 70s and 80s? powerful musician, but he wrote this song called Asleep in the Light, and, and he was trying to awaken the Western church, and I remember reading the words of the song, and they were so powerful, called Asleep in the Light, and he says, do you not see, do you not see all the people sinking down? Don't you care, don't you care, are you going to let them drown? How can we be so numb not to care if they come? We close our eyes and we pretend the job is done. Oh, bless me, Lord, bless me, Lord. You know, that's all I ever hear. No one aches, no one hurts, no one even sheds one tear. But he cries, he weeps, he bleeds, and he cares for our needs. Oh, can't we see it such sin? Oh, can't we see it such sin? And when I heard that song, I said, I had to say, oh, Lord, he's right. I say I want Christ but not at the expense of my own comfort. I say I'm called to reach a world, a way that's never heard of him, but not if it costs me too much of my time or my emotions, my energy, my resources, and so nothing changes. Ever informed, but seldom transformed. And I share this with you, brothers and sisters, because there's a world out there that's waiting for our response, and we get to choose. Think about it for a second. You see, you can save money to make more money, but you can't save time. Try and save time. We can't. We can only spend it. And I have to wonder sometimes that we spend our lives so flippantly. How you spent your life yesterday, how, is, is that how you spent it last week. How we spend our days is how we're spending our weeks, is how we're spending our lives, and we can never get them back. And I wonder, including myself as well, when we stand before the throne we're going to say, oh, Lord, send me back. Let me do it all over again because I realize now I wasted my life. I lived so much for myself. What was I thinking? But we don't get to do it over again. Tis only one life. It'll soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Do we believe that? Because I see what's happening in this world today and the job is not done. And yet I also see how many of us are still more and more occupied with ourselves than ever before. But what a privilege we have when Jesus said to his disciples, lift up your eyes and look to the harvest. 
that they were no different than us, too busy staring at their own two feet. And he said to them, lift up your eyes and look to the harvest to see how white they are. And I believe as Jesus was here today, he'd say the exact same thing to me and to you. Lift up your eyes. Lift up your eyes away from your own problems and struggles and dreams and desires and ambitions and goals and retirement and all those things you're living for. Yeah, they're important, but compare it to my calling on your life and, and those without Christ, those things are nothing. Don't waste your life. To me, there's nothing more tragic than a wasted life. And please understand, brothers and sisters, I speak this to myself as well because I'm preaching my, to myself every single day. Back when I was serving in India, I heard an anonymous poem. And it's Jesus speaking. And he says, I looked for one who would watch and wait for my beckoning hand, my eye, and work in a manner the work I give, and the work I give not pass by. But oh, the joy that is brought to me when one such as this I can find, a man who will do all my will, who is set to discover his master's mind. Oh, the joy that's brought to me when one such as this I can find, a man or woman who will do all my will, who is set to discover his master's mind. Is that your heart? As I pray as we move on from this missions conference, it's practically over already. May you move from here saying, Lord, I want what you have, whatever it costs. Not my will, but yours be done. Would you use me with my life? Show me how, Lord. You have the plan. I want to receive it. I want to finish off with a video here. And it comes, it's an old man. His name is Dima Patai. And he comes from this tribe, the Moy people, who were totally undiscovered 20 years ago. And what happened is they're teaching from creation to Christ. This old man who's old as the hills, he's, looks, he's pretty much naked, just wearing a gourd. In his culture, he's fully clothed, by the way. But for us, he'll appear totally naked, but very primitive. And so our one missionary goes up to him. He's wondering how much can this old man really attain? And you'll be amazed to see what the gospel can do. What he understands. He puts some of us to shame. What this old man has received as he's been taught from creation to Christ. Listen to the power of the gospel. He talks about how a new cord has been cut for me. It's a cultural way of saying, I've been born again. He died a month after this video was shot. Even at his funeral where they traditionally mourn for weeks and weeks and weeks because they want the spirits to know that you were loved. Otherwise, the spirits might come back and curse you. So they mourn forever. He says, don't mourn for me. There's not two paths for me. There's only one. I'm going to see Jesus. And I'll see you again. The three-minute video. You'll see what the power of the gospel can do amongst the most primitive of souls. And then I'll pass this on to pastor or whoever. I want to close with this video. Thank you so much for being a part of this organization with us. Please pray with us. Sign the coupon at the back of a free book. We have a weekly prayer email. You can learn about unreached people groups and pray with us. If you want the magazine, put your address there too. It comes out quarterly. Ask God how you can evaluate your life and live in the light of eternity more effectively. And maybe God's going to call some of you to join us. There's not any task that can't be used in missions. And if, I'd love to talk with you more about that. Let's watch this video and then I'll give it back to you. Thank you.